It should be obvious that we cannot solve a crisis with the same methods that got us into it in the first place. This is a last chance saloon. Because if we don't really take the decisions that are vital now, it's going to be almost impossible to catch up. We will end the moratorium on extracting our huge reserves of shale, which could get glass flowing as soon as six months. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. East Hall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 4 Fool's Gold. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green, it's in. Now, this time last week, we were pondering what might be in that budget that wasn't a budget despite the most seismic shift in economic policy for a generation. It definitely wasn't a budget. Don't call it a budget. A few hours later, the rich got richer, the poor saved 45p a month, and the environment wasn't even mentioned. Let's speak to our correspondent for Incredulity. He's the green entrepreneur and environmentalist Dale Vince. Dale, morning. Yeah, morning. I was incredulous. You you missed out the fact that the, the pound tanked to its lowest level, like, yeah. I don't know, in four decades or something. Yeah, wasn't good. Uh, Government bonds went up in uh, in cost. Uh, the cost of borrowing went up. A thousand mortgages were pulled from the shelves of, uh, of banks and mortgage companies because they just don't know what's going to happen next to Bank mm. of England rates, which are surely going up, driving inflation. Uh, imports got more expensive because of the, the value of the pound. I mean, it's a clusterfuck of a not budget, right? So you didn't like it? <laughs> well, actually, actually, there was one incredible thing in the middle of it. God. The, the unbanning of onshore wind. Yes. I, did you know, I actually thought I misheard that. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's even more than that, right? If they simply unbanned it, we'd be back to where we've always been in a really difficult, very special planning environment. Windows always suffered from that. Yeah. But they said, they say that they're going to put it on a level playing field with other infrastructure projects. Yeah. If they do that, that would be the most incredible thing. It, it can't undo all of the other harm, but it's an amazing thing. And I think it's part of like a scattergun approach as far as I can see it, which is say, where the hell can we get energy from? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like everywhere but solar, probably because. Liz Truss is not a fan of that. And so it's fracking, it's nuclear, it's even onshore wind, which so many Tories hate. Uh, you know, and there we go. Yeah, I, I still don't, I'm still not sure the fracking thing's ever going to happen, to be honest. But uh, that, that's a whole other story. What I found interesting, and a few people picked up on the radio show this week, she hasn't abandoned net zero. All this clamoring for get rid of green taxes, none of that has happened. So... Is she playing two games here? So she wants the likes of, you know, the, the, the kind of archetypal right-wing Tory, the Reese Moggs, to go, yes, yes, we don't buy into all this green shit. And, but actually underneath it all, she's not. Because I mean, the ir- easiest thing for her to do is go, yeah, net zero, because everyone who's on that side says this net zero thing is ridiculous. And that's remained. That, that's been there throughout. So some people reluctantly are saying, do we give her a break here? Or solely on this point? No, right? Because <laughs> that's the end of that. <laughs> net, net zero is a legal obligation that we have. Uh, and, you know, we've made international commitments along with most of the world, actually, to do this. And we would be a pariah state right now, something that even Trump didn't manage to pull off if we were to abandon net zero. Yeah. That would just be incredible. So I don't think we should give her credit for that, except for credit for not being as cr- completely batshit crazy as maybe we think she is based on last Friday's mini not budget, right? Yeah. So we had her at 9.9 on the batshit crazy-ometer, um, but maybe she's 9.1. 
<laughs> maybe i'm going for 9.89 right, okay so yeah well the proof will be in you know what happens in the coming year i guess in that respect yeah. uh, so let's move to the fracking thing then my my theory uh, which may be right or not that this is just going to be kicked into the long grass well it's really interesting because when she was campaigning to be leader she said that she would bring back fracking where local people wanted it right and that looked like the most massive caveat uh, in the world, which undone uh, the idea of bringing back fracking because people don't want it. People have never wanted it. And that's why it never happened, despite the best efforts of Cameron and Osborne. Mm. And she's still saying the same thing. And on Radio Lancashire yesterday, she was challenged about that. What does consent or support look like? She didn't know. The journalist actually said to her, I don't think you know. <laughs> she didn't have an answer for that. So they're kind of wrestling with this. How do we make it happen, but maintain this position of only if local people want it, which they don't. So they immediately have that problem. Yeah. Um, they've already broken another manifesto pledge by uh, releasing the moratorium on fracking in the face of the scientific evidence. So their pledge was that they would only bring it back if the science said it was safe. The science that was published a few weeks ago, their own study said the opposite so that's that's a that's a broken pledge but there's a whole like array of uh, bad news for frackers in the last few weeks so in in the summer there was a a report from the british geographical society who did the original report that said we have 50 years of gas under our feet in the summer they came out and said actually it's five years of gas right that seriously undermines the case for doing fracking yeah Uh, and that's once you've got there That's right, which might take 10 years. And then more recently, there was a study by some other people, I think uh, University in Edinburgh, that said actually the ground underneath Preston, Britain's most advanced fracking site, the only place where it's ever been attempted, the ground underneath is seriously challenged. There's a fault line under there that's been misrepresented by Quadrilla. That's their words, right? I'm not adding to that. Quadrilla misrepresented that fault line. They're yeah. saying there are serious problems. We need 3D kind of examination of the ground under there. And and the icing on this cake for me is they said, this is the best site in Britain, right? Other places where they want to frack are even more complicated. <laughs> so this is the best scenario <laughs> of the whole thing. I, mean, I, I thought fair play to the, the prime ministers do this thing every year where they do the rounds of about half a dozen eight or whatever it is, local radio stations. Now, you know, local radio stations are often associated with doing phone-ins about what's your favourite biscuit, you know, and, and the like. <laughs> and that. And then suddenly uh, a lot of these presenters, there's some absolutely top-notch presenters there, you know, we're sitting there working out what the is going to be on their show that what are we doing tomorrow oh you got the prime prime minister on prime really we were going to do the bring back spangles debate and the prime minister is showing so they were kind of in this strange place where they had seven minutes to really sock it to the pm and i think most did really well to be honest and that the lancashire one of course it's it's rich terrain in that region it was absolutely right that uh, he pushed her on that and there were these curious gaps in her gaps you could drive several double decker buses through as she paused and thought hang on i haven't let's have a look i haven't had a written down note for this so i don't really know what to say so uh, and it just kind of exposed the not even the fragility the absolute bonkers nature uh, of what they're trying to do and that is i think pretend that fracking's coming back and it hasn't got a hope in hell 
Well, I hope it's a pretense, but the other piece of bad news for fracking out of this whole array of pieces of bad news was about a week or two ago, the founder of Quadrilla wrote an open letter to Liz Truss and said, I'm a fan of fracking, but it's not going to work in Britain. That's right. The yeah. geology is really challenging. And in the US, where they have better geology, they also don't have population centers where it needs to be fracked. It's a completely different kettle of fish. He said he doesn't see it working in Britain. Yeah. Wow. Founder of Quadrilla. Yeah. Uh, when he speaks, I mean, on this. The earth trembles. The earth literally does. <laughs> the only time it will as well, I sense. Um, question from Christian, and it, this kind of feeds into uh, the, the last week. What do you make of Labour's new green energy policy idea? Is it pie in the sky or is it possible? This, of course, was Keir Starmer's big announcement at the Labour Party conference where he uh, made great noise about what Labour will do. Publicly owned green energy company. Yeah, I mean, it's a great policy. It's definitely not pie in the sky. It's so very doable. We've been arguing for a long time that renewable energy infrastructure should be in public ownership. We're not talking about nationalization here. We're talking about what we need to build next, which is another 50% on the grid. Put it into public ownership so that the benefits of that come back to the public instead of to foreign companies, uh, which is what's happening now. It makes perfect sense to do that. Here's an interesting thing, right? You look at the 45 billion that Liz Truss is going to borrow in order to give money to rich people from last Friday. If instead that 45 billion had been borrowed and invested in renewable energy, we could build that 50% missing green electricity on the grid in public ownership. We could create thousands, tens of thousands of jobs mm. and tax revenue and real economic growth for the same sum of money that we're just giving to rich people. So Labour's certainly stolen the march on that one. Um, tying into this, Hannah on Facebook says, uh, are you going to the Conservative Party conference this year? I am. Please don't come back with bad ideas, she said. Um, so, well, firstly, w what's going on? Why are you going to the Conservative Party conference? I'm not really sure, but I, I went there last year. I think I was curious uh, to see, you know, what happened in that world. Con curious. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. And it was it's a right, it's an alien environment, right? I didn't help myself because I had this uh, this like snow camouflage tracksuit on top and bottom. I had a wardrobe malfunction coming back from football. That's all I had, and so everybody stared at me. Which yeah, made me feel more not really right? incognito there, were you, Dale? Didn't help. Well but, uh, spotted, the man from the Green Energy Company. There he is over there in his polar bear outfit, but not real they'd polar bear. They'd already tried to keep me out when they saw my name on. I remember, yeah, yeah, I remember. But so this year, we got together with the Express, and I'm officially a journalist now. I've got a press card. Fantastic. Right. And, and I've been accepted into the conference as a member of the press. So I'm going to get into those uh, press briefings yeah. and um, and ask the important questions if I can. And if nothing else, it's always a good piss up in the evening at those things. So there is, uh, the, you know, every cloud. And all that. <laughs> well, alcohol's one thing, but the company you keep when you're drinking is... Yeah, that, that, that's quite... I just had this idea of you and fast forward to four in the morning, there's you and Reese Mogg sitting there in a bar thrashing it out. <laughs> oh, it will work, Mr. Dale. <laughs> Ed, Ed Miliband had a lovely line in his speech at the Labour conference. I was watching it. He said that Rhys Mogg is, is the right person to be energy minister in the 1820s, but not in the 2020s. <laughs> yeah, that works. Let's move to this. Most UK adults back urgent protection for nature. Doesn't surprise me we see that, but we just don't really see the government acting on that. 
Uh, yeah, that's true. And in fact, what the government are proposing now has got the whole world of nature bodies up in arms and mobilizing to fight them. You know, the removal of something like 570 different environment policies that uh, that we inherited from the EU that the government are talking about ripping up now. And uh, and the scrapping of the environment land management scheme as well, which helps farmers, you know, bring nature back. There's a whole array of things that they're up in arms against, which Liz Trust seems set to do. Uh, here's the thing, right? We are a nation of of animal lovers and of nature lovers, but I think there is a disconnect for people that eat meat and dairy and don't realize that the meat and dairy industry is driving nature to extinction in our country because it takes up so much land. It takes that land from nature. And if we could make that connection, then we could harness this passion. Some 80% of people think nature is under threat. I'm like, yeah, that's your diet, right? If we could make that clear to them, maybe we could do something more. Are there any politicians, even in the Labour Party, making that point? No. And there needs to be. I think there does. Uh, headline I saw this week, there's been a big hurricane, of course, in the States, curiously called Hurricane Ian, uh, which doesn't sound particularly <laughs> menacing, does it? I mean, I know they yeah. do this alphabetically yeah. in a, a random way, apparently. But yeah, uh, if you want to kind of define the ferociousness of bad weather, don't call it Ian, for goodness sake. But <laughs> what I'm wondering here, as you say that, is is how bad are things going to be when they get to Hurricane Vince? That's what I want well, that's going to be a beauty, isn't it? It's going to be bad by then. That right? will be bad. Climate change has added 10% extra rainfall, we understand, to that. Because because the hurricane is one thing, the fallout afterwards and the flooding. Um, it's bad. It's always bad when that happens, regardless of why. But it doesn't help that climate change, it's reckoned, has added 10 which is massive, 10% extra to the rainfall there. Yeah, and that's, that's the science, isn't it? That climate change, the climate crisis, is making these storm events more frequent and more extreme. Um, and we can see that, you know, in, in all of the bonkers weather that we keep having. Um, so, I mean, there's nothing new here, yeah. except that uh, somebody's done some uh, some calculating and said, well, we think it's probably out of 10%. Uh, question from Ben on Twitter. This is back to football now. Can you ever truly kick gambling out of your club? Can you stop accepting league money? Uh, this, of course, is, I'm assuming, tied in with clubs, FA affiliated, league affiliated. You have to wear the banner. Is that right? Yeah, this is the thing. So Skybet are sponsors of the EFL. And uh, the EFL distributes money to all clubs in the leagues from sponsors, from TV rights as well, and yeah. money from the Premier League as well. So it's kind of in in the mix. And in return, we were obliged to stick Skybet uh, boards around our ground. Uh, I think that's about all we have to do, and it is all that we do do. Yeah. But we also put anti-gambling ads on our pitch side boards as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so we, we try to create a little bit of balance there. But I think we can kick it out of football. I think it's a choice that we have to make. At the Labour conference, uh, EFL chair Rick Parry, I'm told, said that, look, the, the sum of money at stake is just 60 million quid. Mm. We could replace that. I mean, the Premier League could replace that with a click of the fingers, right? True. Um, but we don't need to rely on them. We just have to choose better sponsors. Formula One did it with tobacco. They yeah, were they forced did. to do it, but they yeah. did it. We and it was seen it. that was seen as unthinkable. You know, we all remember the JPS car. You know, it mm. was in, incredible to look at. You know, beautiful. But you know, yes. it's curious looking back that that was the, uh, the, the the synergy they had with sponsorships. Yeah. Uh, just give us an overview of uh, Forest Green at the moment. Bit of tricky couple of weeks. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, you know, we've been um, hit by injuries to some key players. Uh, obviously, we've got a new coach. Uh, we're going to have a new director of football soon because that's another drama that we've just experienced yeah. this week. And eh, it is what it is. We're only nine yeah. games in. And I think we're just a couple of points away from, well, probably four points away from mid-table, something like that, in yeah. the relegation zone. 
Some fans are upset. Some fans are worried. I'm neither of those things. Good. Um, it's nine games in. Yeah. Well, some bloke from Watford just got fired. If you need some more personnel. <laughs> you did. I know. I saw it. Bless him, right? He gave it a go. And if it had been successful, his gamble, right? Yeah. He, he could have been a Premier League manager next season. Um, but, but Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. I mean, we're not going to get into specifically that, but I, I'm not sure his track record was, you know, necessarily firing um, territory, but somebody thought it was. But Well, yeah. I mean, I think they were like 10th in the league when they sacked him. Yeah, I think uh, one loss. Yeah. Oh, wow. But um, from their perspective, though, they want to bounce straight back. And True. actually being on the edge of the playoffs is not good enough. Yeah. Let's talk about Bitcoin. I, I'm deeply unfamiliar with <laughs> Bitcoin, yeah. digital currency, how it all works. But the headline, Bitcoin impact bigger than gold mining. Uh, and this is, of course, what it takes environmentally to, I think the phrase is, to mine Bitcoin. Is that about right? Yeah, it is mining. It's a weird thing. It's digital mining. And I don't understand what Bitcoin gets from it, but they do give Bitcoin to the miners who consume vast amounts of energy in the process. And if you look at the the footprint of um, miners and the countries they're in and the, the grid composition uh, of the countries they're in, then you, you're talking about maybe 25, 30% renewable energy being used and the rest is... Cold. So they're mining online, right? Yeah, yeah, using big, powerful servers. And I don't know what these servers are doing. But well, yeah, you'd think if you're looking for something, why does that take more energy to find your Bitcoin than it does when you go to your OnlyFans website? And what do Bitcoin get from it, having all these miners expend all this? Yeah, yeah. So you've got these huge power. fans and um, incredible powerhouse warehouses full of kit like- that are firing away to get the Bitcoin out. And if they're solving complex equations like, you know, how to how to send Musk to Mars or something like that, then I'm all for it, you know. <laughs> Let's do that. This, this study was interesting because it, what they did was they compared the, uh, the impact, the negative impact of a whole range of industries with their market cap, the value of the, you know, the turnover in the market. And on that basis, of course, gold is really valuable. So even though it has a big impact in the mining of it. Yeah, uh, it had a ratio that was was way lower than Bitcoin. Beef came out pretty bad, as you might imagine. Uh, it's, but it was a for me, it was a kind of a quirky statistical view of things. So uh, yeah, but you know, there it is. Can we just throw this story in as well because it comes on the back of everything from that mini budget and the like? Tony Juniper, a name that might not be familiar to everybody, but he is the chair of the Nature Watchdog. Uh, he's issued a a veiled warning over new government policies. Uh, he says to Liz Truss, even bankers need to eat, drink and inhale clean air. I thought it was a rather clever point to make, really. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad, is it? Yes. Yeah, not yeah. bad. Well, <laughs> you can say what you like about the bank. You can give them whatever breaks you want. But, you know, they're also living on the same planet. Well, I wouldn't go that Well, far. in theory. <laughs> yeah, physically, physically. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, uh, it was a decent point. Um, and then underneath of that, there was a whole list of things that, uh, like I said, the whole nature protection movement really are, are gearing up to fight the government over. Yeah. A whole bunch of like tearing up regulations and this sure. and the other, which is all part of this like small state kind of approach that trusts and uh, Kwartang have. <laughs> somebody said to me, somebody called him this morning when he was speaking to me, Quasimodo. I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a, yeah, Kamakwazi is another one that keeps uh, keeps cropping up as well. There's some, some Crazy Kwartang. That's right. That There's some beauties well. out there. Uh, final one to finish on. Very relevant. This, of course, this is the eve we record this on of big price rises. Tomorrow is October the 1st. Energy companies urging their customers to get their meter readings in for obvious reasoning. Nick on Facebook with all that in mind says do you reckon the uk will face energy rationing this winter yeah that's a good question 
there's a possibility and the national grid are kind of gearing up for that but that's their responsibility to uh, you know to to model the the worst case scenarios and be ready for them the government is saying absolutely no way so if they're saying that then i tend to think there probably is a chance but I, i'm going to say actually i don't think so there isn't a shortage of energy in the world there won't be sure. a shortage i don't think in this country i think it's just one of those extreme scenarios that has to be accounted for and then when the news breaks that the national grid are doing that then it becomes a story that they're getting ready for this thing to happen good work dale have a cracking weekend uh, we'll speak in seven days nice one see you later in that's it for this episode don't forget of course you can follow this podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode or automatically leave a review there too and really important bit you can follow dale on social media twitter.com slash dale vince facebook.com slash dale vince but also insta and even tiktok too zero carbon east off